Good deal. All right. I want you to think of the early church. We're talking about Jesus Christ as our prophet. That's what we're dealing with right now. And um, all of a sudden, I've got a text message that I don't need. So, I want you to think of Jesus Christ as her prophet. That's the point that I'd like to get us focused on. Now, I'd like us also to think about the early church. When you think of the early church, where did the early church perceive Jesus to be? Right after his resurrection, the apostles are running around doing their thing, planting the church. Where is the early church? How do they perceive Jesus in in his relationship to them at that time? He's what? He's in heaven, but with them, what is he? Hmm? What did he say? I I will be what? Did they sense that? That he was with them? Well, he did. They did, yeah. All that continued very much until we got into the the formal Catholic era. When we got into the formal Catholic era and we got into what we call medieval Christianity, man was where? Here. Where was God? How high? Like how high? Like way up there and we're and what's and and we can't what he's not close alright then we come to the time that we call the Protestant Reformation the issues that revolved around everything that Martin Luther was dealing with John Calvin and then all the rest what they began to do was to help the people to understand the great errors that had subsisted for almost a thousand years. Now, Calvin became known as, this is interesting, the doctor of the Holy Spirit. Because he reintroduced the whole sense of the Holy Spirit's eminence and presence in our lives, how much of the time? All the time. And all of a sudden, Christian people began to sense that Jesus is what? Very near. Very near. Now that's what we're talking about when we talk about the doctrine of Christ our mediator and him being prophet, priest, and king. Now that's where our study takes us. So in the Sproul book that we're kind of using for an outline here, what is the Reformed theology, he introduces the Westminster Confession of Faith here where it says it pleased God in his eternal purpose to choose and ordain the Lord Jesus, his only begotten Son, to be the mediator between God and man, the prophet, priest, and king, the head and savior of his church, the heir of all things, and judge of the world, unto whom he did from all eternity give a people to be his seed, and to be by him in time redeemed, called, justified, sanctified, and glorified. And so, 
this is the whole sense of the confessions treatment of what it means for Jesus Christ to be our mediator. Now, when we come to the catechism questions that deal with this, the catechism questions come at this slightly differently, and it says, uh, who is the redeemer of God's elect? And it says, the uh, only redeemer of God's elect is the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, what offices does Christ execute, not as our mediator, but as our redeemer in the catechism? And it says, Christ, as our redeemer, executeth the offices of a prophet, of a priest, and of a king, both in his estate of humiliation and exaltation. And then, what doth Christ, or how doth Christ execute the office of a prophet? Christ executeth the office of a prophet in his revealing to us, by his word and spirit, the will of God for our salvation. Now, these become the standards of our denomination. And if you don't have a catechism and would like to have one, I am loaded. And they have the uh, scripture proof text in them. And I will leave them up here. And you may get a copy and look these things up because it will partially introduce the next two weeks as we deal with Christ as prophet, priest, and king. Alright, if you want to open your Bible to Matthew chapter 5, it says there in Matthew chapter 5, After performing many miracles, and the multitudes were gathering to him, that Jesus went up on the mount, his disciples, he sat down, and his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, after the Beatitudes, Jesus told the people that they were to see themselves as the salt of the earth and as the light of the world. That's who you are. Now, why is that true? It's true because Jesus is with you. You're blessed by being with Jesus. Blessed by Jesus being with you. And because that you have this closeness, you, because of that closeness, can be salt and light. That's the idea. So it's not merely that Jesus is a prophet to tell us things. Jesus is a prophet to change us, to use us, so that we would bear his light in this world. That's the, the, the idea that we see here in the Sermon on the Mount. Now, you move through the Sermon on the Mount, and you, you see that we're to salt and light. Then Jesus, acting as a prophet, he deals not with uh, deficiencies in the Old Testament, but pharisaical corruptions of what the Old Testament taught so that Jesus would say for a number of times, you have heard it said of old, thou shalt not, say, commit adultery. And then Jesus says, but I say to you, if any man does thus and such, then he's committed adultery in his heart. So Jesus gets to the real core of what the Bible, Old Testament, is teaching. He is 
making known to us the will of God for our salvation. That's what he's doing. And then as he moves through that sermon, he says, when you pray, what's the revolutionary thing he brings in? When you pray, say, our Father. That was revolutionary. And so he introduces that in the Lord's Prayer. Then he says, uh, I'll take care of you. A number of times then in the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, I'll take care of you. And I'll take care of you, therefore don't what? Worry. I'm going to be with you. You hear it? Since I'm going to be with you, you don't need to worry. And then he, you never guess what he says, don't judge. And then he says, pray again. Pray gets in there. Talk to me. Talk to me. Pray. And then it's obey. And then at the end in chapter 7, it says this, there, uh, for anyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them can be compared to a wise man. He built his house on the rock, and everyone who hears and does not is like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. But when Jesus had finished these words, the crowd were amazed at his teaching. He was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. All of a sudden, the people knew that somebody very different from what they were used to was now teaching them. And what Jesus was doing was connecting them. Uh, We use the word today sometimes about various types of communication devices. And a lot of times we say that some of our devices are hardwired. And Jesus hardwires us in our relationship with the Father because he is the mediator and he's the redeemer now in this we see introduced today for the next three weeks that Jesus Christ is our prophet next week I'm, I don't know if he's going to take priest or king but all three of these things begin with it being Jesus Christ at the time of his incarnation So at Jesus' incarnation, the wise men brought him gifts because they saw him as a king. Immediately as he began to show his, his teaching ministry, people recognized him as a great prophet. And as he began to deal with them, remember the first major incident where he and the Pharisees got sideways with each other was when Jesus said to the man who was brought to him paralyzed, son, your sins are forgiven. He functioned as a priest. And so in all of his life, he functioned in the manner of being a prophet, priest, and king. All of us need all of those things all of the time. Those are the things that we need in life to sustain us in our relationship with God. And so Jesus does these. He is these things as, as in his passion. What does uh, Herod put, uh, or Pontius Pilate put on the cross? He said he was the king of the Jews and, and so forth. In his resurrection, you see that he is resurrected, and now he is the Son of God, the mediator with power. 
he ascends into heaven, but as he ascends into heaven, he makes this promise. What? How much authority is given to me? Heaven and earth. See, he's the mediator of all power. Heaven and earth. And lo, I am always to the end of the... So he mediates this to us all the time. That's what he's doing. Now, in this session, this is Christ, Jesus, seated at the right hand of the Father in glory, where he is now. Next is his second coming or his return. And he will return as prophet, priest, and king. He will be our mediator even when there is no sin. Uh, He will continue to be our mediator for other necessary reasons. But we're not going to get into that right now. So when he makes this promise after his resurrection, before his ascension, before his session, he says he's going to be with us and he's going to be with us in these three capacities. And the circle is showing that all of this is flowing to us who believe. So the idea is at every point in time in life, we have great confidence that Jesus is our prophet. We have confidence at every point in time in our life that Jesus is our priest. And we're to have, I know that none of you have any problems with this like I do, that he is my king. I know that none of you want to be kings or queens. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, the whole idea of obedience. You know, he who builds on this is like the wise man who built his house upon the rock. And so the whole idea of Christ as king in my level of obedience. All right, now, we're dealing principally today with Christ as prophet. Now, there are many prophetic things that we have grown accustomed to in life. Um, When I grew up as an itty-bitty in West Palm Beach, okay, Grandpa lived on one side of our house, and four houses down was the Florida East Coast Railroad northbound and southbound tracks, two sets of tracks. And if you went up on our street, which was not a terribly busy street, We didn't have a crossing bar to come down, but we did have a sign. What was the sign shaped like? And what did it say on it? Hmm? No. No. It said stop, look and listen. Remember? Stop, look and listen. What you think of that? Jesus wants that for us. If he's going to be our prophet. Now, I was talking with somebody yesterday about this. And um, 
if a prophet's doing what a prophet does, basically the prophet is, what is he doing? Telling you. Telling you. He's talking or writing. Okay. Now, for the one who's talking and the one who's writing, what must the people on the other end be doing? <laughs> Wait a minute. You didn't really say listening, did you? <laughs> now, you see, there's a real problem. Um, I have to really watch it. I have to really, really take time to open the Bible and read it. What are the things that I like to do a lot? Talk. 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 I mean, I got people calling. You know one of the reasons some people call? Because I'll talk. A lot of the people they call, they won't talk. They'll go, hmm, that's nice. Um, hmm, why don't you call John? Hmm. John talks. So what's important for John to do? Listen. Gang, you got to listen. If Jesus is your prophet, there's really nothing more important for you to do than to sit at his feet. Now, why is it that everybody's running left and right and looking for answers here and there? Hmm? Wrong places. Like the song says, looking for love in all the... Looking for information in... Gang, Jesus is your prophet to speak to you about how much of life? It's of the utmost importance that you stop. Now look at these verses. When the Pharisees sent out guards in John chapter 7, the priests and them, to arrest Jesus... Jesus was teaching in the temple. After a while, these guards came back into the temple where the priests were, but what had they failed to do? They hadn't arrested Jesus. So they says, where is he? Why didn't you bring him? Do you remember their response? Remember the, the, the guards' response? No man ever spake as this man speaks. Now just think what those people are saying. How many men are his equal? None. Alright. Who is going to speak to your need best? If you believe it, you've got to read it. That's the point. If nobody ever spake like he spake, then we should give an ample amount of time to reading and ingesting his word. 
In the book of Hebrews, in chapter 2, really in chapter 1, the author says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers, through the prophets in many portions in these in many ways in these last days has spoken to us in his son whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the world in chapter 2 the author goes on and says in reference to angels and Jesus for this reason we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so we don't drift away from it for if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation after it was first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us who heard? We've got to stop. We've got to look. Look at the word of God, not neglect it. Look at it. Look at it over and over over and over, turn back to the Word of God. Turn off some of the noise so that you can hear His voice speaking to you through His Word. What was God's opinion of this whole thing? All right, here's Moses, here's Elijah, here is Jesus, and here is Peter. And Peter says, you know, It'd be a good thing if we could build a tabernacle, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for you. And then it said a cloud came over them, and a voice came out of heaven. And the voice said what? This is my son. Listen to him. Now, what's God's opinion? What are we to do? Now, you see, he's your prophet. This circle is saying, okay, yes, his physical body is where? But because he is an infinite person, being the second person of the Trinity, he is where? What did it say? Wherever two or three? Where am I? In the midst of... No matter where you go, can we go from his presence? No. All right, we've got to not listen to all these other voices. We've got to listen to him as he speaks to us through his word. In these last days, he has spoken to us through his son. Now, we need to learn. Today, a great deal of information is of a nature like this I'm trying to put a big enough handle here so it doesn't look like a cup it looks like a what what has a big handle on it a mug and so this is the jug and this is the and that's what teaching has become today 
It's merely a transference of my information into your heads. A transfer from the jug to the mug. Is that learning? You teachers all know that's not learning. (laughs) That's just regurgitating information if the person is able to master the information. But Jesus is not into transferring the information from his mug or jug to our mug. He's into making us like whom? Like himself. And so, take my yoke upon you, he says. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. Stop, look, listen, learn. Over and over again. Now, we do have the the glory right now in this particular time of living that people are graduating from college, university, and other technical schools and things like that, and they go on a lifetime of learning. And we call it lifetime learning. Um, Guy gave me... Uh, a book about a Catholic priest and the Catholic priest is talking about the childhood in which he grew up in. He says, my father never got past the 10th grade, but he read all the great philosophers of Europe. He was a lifetime learner. People are constantly going on. Jesus is telling us, take his yoke upon ourselves and learn and learn and learn. Now, life. In John chapter 6, Jesus says, the words that I speak to you are life. And then at the end of that discourse, when so many of the disciples have deserted Jesus, Jesus looks at Simon, Peter, and the other disciples, and he says, will you go away too? And so what does Peter's the spokesman say after Jesus asks the question, will you go away too? Where will we go? You have the words of eternal life. The point that we're seeing here over and over again in the scripture is, is that Jesus is this all the time. I would say to you, your life can be infinitely more than what your life is. And there really is just really at this stage one major thing that will make a difference in your life. And that will be how much of this you're willing to take in day after day after day after day, after day. Because it says here in the catechism question that he executes this office of a priest as he ministers to us by his word and spirit. Word and spirit. And so as we give ourselves over to this, we're going to find out, first of all, that Jesus has a lot to say to us about making our life what it's supposed to be. I've come to give you life and to give it 
more abundantly. And he can do that and will do that. But he does that in discipleship. He does that as we are his students. He does that as we see ourselves as looking to him to speak to us all the time. Let me pray. Father, bless us as we go to this worship service. We think of the joy it's going to be to see a bunch of people in there that we normally don't see because both services will be present. Help us to be joyful to see all those folk. And then to go up and uh, eat the food that's being prepared for us today as we think about our nation's birthday, as we think about the way that you are our God and you bless us. And help us, Lord Jesus, to see that you are speaking over and over again to us through your word. And help us to love you and to love your word. We make our prayer in your name with thanksgiving. Amen.